very familiar story that you are very familiar with in Scripture. And before we do, I want to just tell you a little story uh, to kind of set a foundation. When, when my wife and I were approved to come to Dover uh, 40, 43, 44 years ago now, where I spent the last 40 years of my ministry pastor in the church in Dover, uh, I remember uh, after getting voted in, one of the board members uh, came up to me and said, Pastor, I need you to do a favor for us here at the church. He said, I need you to not talk about the building program. Because they had plans on the board uh, already paid for, drawn up on the bulletin board in the back of the sanctuary. He said, a, a lot of sensitivity was over that building program. And they went through, a, before I went there, they went through a church split. And uh, some people left, and there was about 60 people left, including children. And so uh, I said, okay. You know, I wanted to honor that because they knew some history I didn't know. And the presbyter at that time when I came in, he said, he said, Roland, do not talk about the past. Don't dig into it. Don't just move forward. Just like set yourselves forward. Don't worry about what happened. Just go forward. So he didn't want me to engage in what happened. And the board didn't want me to engage in the building program. And at the time, to make a long story short, uh, about a year went by. And uh, not, not that I'm trying to be humorous here, but it, it's, like I, I, it's like I was saying, God, I, I can't take this any longer. I can't keep silent. And it's like God was saying back to me, you know, I can't keep silent either. Are we ready? You know, so I, I was ready. And uh, so uh, I stuck my neck out. I, I did what this passage is about. I stepped out of the boat and I didn't get the board's permission. It, it was just time. It was just God's timing because the church was already starting to grow. And uh, we looked at the plans that was on the wall and we had an engineer move into our church into the area. He worked for the city of Dover and he was a Royal Ranger leader. So he took off with, with our Royal Rangers ministry. He came from another Sunday God church in Maryland. But um, he said, your plans uh, are copies. They're not original. I said, well, how do you know that? And he showed me the edges of it because he was an engineer. And he said, you see these edges? He said, yeah, they've pulled these out of a drawer and made a copy. In other words, we paid a lot of money for something that they did not design, but was already designed for another church and just thought it would work on our property on Route 10. And so when we looked at the plans, we realized that the church was, was only going to get be so big and we were going to be locked in to that was the final phase. And so I, 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 I said, let's redo the plans and let's go with a phase program. So we don't lock ourselves into a situation where we get landlocked and we can't expand because we wouldn't have good use of the current building if we're going to enlarge. You've got to have it in phases so we get the size we want and growth. So make a long story short, I got up on a Sunday morning and what do you think I preached on? This passage of scripture. <laughs> I said, folks, it's time to step out of the boat. And you know what happened? 
The board was 100% behind it. We threw those plans out. We got new plans in to build into phases. And as you know, we end up building three different building programs to get to the size we are today, plus the purchase of the furniture store up the highway near the base, which is used seven days a week for the community and another church on Sunday mornings, plus our high school and all kinds of other things. It's a building that, I mean, it's almost like, why, why lock the doors at night except for safety? Why lock it? Because it's used seven days a week. And uh, it's awful, awfully wonderful things happening there. Now, but why this took place was because we felt it was time to step out of the boat. And you folks being here in transition, it's time for you folks to step out of the boat. But to step out of the boat as a church, we have to learn how to step out of the boat as an individual. And to make sure to remember now what we did with that revival message series we did. We gave you them 25 things you can be doing. I'm gonna, I want to encourage you with something. The Asbury revival that's going on, it is legit. Don't misunderstand. It is legit. But if you think you can't walk in revival until that happens, you're wrong. You can and I can walk in revival every single day. We are a revival in ourselves. Remember what the word revive means is to bring back alive. So uh, while God is doing a great thing over there in, in different pockets around the world, things are happening. He sees the individual revivals that's going on in people's lives. He's causing them to happen. Don't get discouraged thinking, oh, I want that. You got that. In your personal walk with the Lord, you have that right now. Okay. And there's plenty of evidence of that in Scripture. So the, today's title is Who's Steering Your Boat? All right. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading here in verse 22, where Jesus walks on the water. And you, you, you're gonna, you've read this many times, so you, you know the story. But how well have we broken it down? Remember that little exercise we gave you last week? This would be a good chapter to do that with. To break it down and see very specific things that are really being exposed here. It's really being taught here. It's really coming out and for us to see uh, something other than just that Jesus can walk in the water and Peter did, but he sunk, but then Jesus saved him. Amen. Done. Let's go to the next story. Oh, no, 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 no. Time out. We're going to take a look at this because, listen, one bottom line, who stepped out of the boat? The other disciples or Peter? So I always tell the people, don't be too hard on Peter for slipping there for a moment. The man had the guts to get out of the boat and make a difference. It's time to have the guts to get out of the boat and make a difference. As an individual, and that's the church. Not that you haven't done that. Please don't, don't, don't misread me, but this is today. This is now. This is a fresh beginning. Today, right now, in light of this story. So please understand that. You folks have been stepping out for a long time and, and, and doing things. So praise the Lord for that. So Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind uh, was against it. 
Surely, before dawn, Jesus went, to walk, went out to them, walking on the, on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. I've, I've, I've tried to understand, they, they had to know what it looked like, so I'm trying to think, was, was the wind blowing his hair so much? Was the waves around him? I mean, was there so much rain they couldn't see? Was it too dark they couldn't see? I, I, I'm trying to imagine what it was that was going on. So I'm, I'm thinking it's all of those things combined that made it hard for them to understand who it was. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of of God. Truly you are the Son of God. So once again, when they say truly you are the Son of God, has to imply that there has been other things prior to that, that that was teaching them already, that was leaving the impression already was the Son of God, for them to say truly you are the Son of God. So there, there was that question, that wondering of who he was. It was already in place, perhaps because of the things he'd already done. And they, they had seen those things, uh, although this is early on in, the, in our New Testament. So, again, you can see where this story is going because you've read it many times. And uh, I, I want you to think today of the trials and storms that come to us. And we sing about that, how Jesus is with us in our storms. So I want you to kind of put yourself into the storyline of the trials and the, and the storms that come again your way. Uh, would, Jesus, would Jesus say anything differently? Would he say anything differently? But one thing today, to any storm you are up against. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now we could close the sermon. That would be it for the day. Have prayer. Go home. But I think we should develop this to make sure we understand how Jesus is still inviting us, as he did Peter, to come to him. You know, sometimes in the storms that we're going through and the questions that we have and the difficulties that we're battling, sometimes we take a little leave of absence, don't we, if we're not careful? We take a little step back and kind of ponder everything. I, I, I'm going to say something that's strong, but it's only because of the counseling I do, and I'm still busy counseling people. Just added a new one. Uh, so I'm going to say something that sounds a little harsh, but it's a reality for people uh, where they, they, they shut down and they, they know God, but they shut down because they get discouraged because they're too busy. Here's the strong word, wallowing in their storm. They're waddling and they're vacillating. They're, they're just not, they're, 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 I call it sloppy agape. They've gotten sloppy with God's love for them and God's care for them, God's invitation to them. And 
I've worked with people, I came up with a theory called choice dysfunction, and uh, I, I coined that years ago to teach our team at church. We always had team meetings, and we even did retreats together. And I, I said, be careful of the people we work with that are what I call choice dysfunction. They are in dysfunction. That, I don't mean that from the street term to be a, a, a nasty uh, uh, negative comment. It's a reality. They're not functioning well. And so because of functioning well, they, they've gotten so comfortable in their dysfunction that they, they want to stay in dysfunction. They, want, they actually, I know this sounds crazy, but walk with me for a week and you'll see what I'm talking about in counseling. They want, it's like they feel like they're, they do better in the storm. That's what they're used to. They, they are not used to victory. They're not used to not being in the storm. because So they've learned how to, to live in the storm. And they, they've learned how to you know, be in that self-state of hurt. It's called choice dysfunction. They choose to be in that. Some are afraid of victory. Some are afraid that they might have a breakthrough. But what will I do myself if I have a breakthrough? Well, I can think of a lot of things. Give me a call. I'll put you to work. If you've got a breakthrough, I'll put you to work. But uh, do you understand where I'm going here? Where we, if we're not careful, we become so normalized with our dysfunction or so normalized with our storms that we have a hard time dealing with them. So, you know, what's beautiful here is Jesus did not rebuke Peter at this point for questioning him. It wasn't until after. And so, again, in verse 29 and 30, he says, uh, come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. So if it's really you, Lord, then invite me to come out to you. And that's what he did. There's some great theology here, some great teaching here, that if we are speed readers, we're not going to pick up on it. In fact, God never wanted us to be speed readers of the Bible. He wanted us to be study readers of the Bible. Study it as you read it. So, but first of all, uh, I like the fact that Peter was so confident at this point. They're in a storm. Now, don't forget they're in a storm. It's a, it's a different kind of storm. I'm talking about the emotional storms, the mental storms we may go through, financial storms, all kinds of different storms. But in this instance, it's a weather storm, okay? It's a, it's a matter of the weather and what it's about to do to the boat. So we understand that, but we're making an application spiritually. All right? Peter responded with confidence. He was confident that Jesus could help him. He was confident that to prove that this is really you, Jesus, then I'll be able to walk on the water like you. So Jesus invited him. But when he started walking on the water, what did he do? He momentarily did what? He momentarily took his eyes off Jesus. Folks, listen. Fix your eyes on Jesus, which is the author and finisher of your faith, Hebrew says. What does this mean to put our eyes on Jesus? Does this mean I'm supposed to walk around like this, looking at Jesus all the day? Can you imagine driving down the road like this? You know, you know that's not what he means. It's that our minds set your affections on things above. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Set your affections on things above, not things on the earth, where your mind is hid with Christ and God. Watch this. Where your life, your life is hid with Christ 
in God. It's a double coverage. We have a double blanket upon us. Our lives are hid with Christ in God, which is a work of the Holy Spirit. We have three blankets of protection around our lives, folks. But he said sexual affections on things above. That will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind has stayed on thee? So the idea of the eyes here being on Jesus is the idea that our thoughts, our thinking, our hearts, our minds consume the presence of God. We think about God. We think about his word. We, we think about what is right. Whatsoever things are good, pure, holy, right. Think on these things. And the peace of God shall be with you always. You know, uh, I had a friend of mine years ago. He said, Pastor, I want you to think of a picture of peace and serenity in your mind. Okay. So I was thinking about sitting on a boat out on a lake, a river, with a pole in the water, with a sun hat on, sunglasses, drink a Coke or something and fish and relax. He says, nah, I got one for you. And he showed me a picture cover of a book and he said, what it was was a horrific storm is happening on the cover of this book. It's a, it's a picture of the cover. And there's a bird nest and there's a bird protecting the little ones underneath him. He said, that to me is peace. I said, whoa, Lloyd, that was a good one, buddy. You got me on that one. So, but, uh, you know, we envision what peace, but he, how right he was. What he was saying was that in the midst of the storm for those little birdies, they were protected and covered by the mama bird which gave them the peace and serenity that they needed in the middle of the storm. And folks, this is what Jesus wants to do. Jesus didn't say we would never have storms, just the opposite. But what he's saying is, is I can be your peace in your storm. I, I can be the peace and strength you need. He, what Peter did was he took his eyes off Jesus momentarily and he looked at the adversity. He started looking at the winds and probably the rain and whatever else was happening. And when he did that, fear crept in. He became crippled by fear. So much so that he was distracted from his goal. He was distracted from Jesus. He was distracted from keeping his eyes on the Lord in a storm. And as a result, he had to cry out, because he began to sink in the water. Now, he cried out, which is a very wise thing and a very proper thing and a very good thing to do. Would you not agree? Now, here's a very deep, deep concern that I have. That when we are being distracted by life storms, there is a work that is not being done for him. Do we understand what that means? If I'm constantly choosing to battle the storm, if I'm constantly choosing to stay in the storm, in that issue, and I become, pardon my expression, but I become less functional. Notice I didn't say dysfunctional, God. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Because in, in the counseling sciences, dysfunctional is a different understanding. 
I'm not talking about that kind. There can be that kind. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're just not functioning for the Lord. Think of the people we're not influencing. Think of the people's lives we're not touching. Think of the people's lives we're not witnessing to. Think of the times that we're not doing something we can do for God because we have elected to stay in our storm. Because we have elected not to keep our eyes on the Lord at the time. Somebody is going to be suffering around this church when we're not being functional for the Lord. And he's, he knows we're going to have storms. But there is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with that temptation provide a way of escape so that you may be able to stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you've got to read it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and you've got to read it from the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version has that verse at 156 words, just in that verse alone. You know what that verse is saying? There's no temptation taking you, but such as come to man. In other words, any storm that comes will be common to man. They are going to happen. But what's so beautiful about that is it's common to man. Now, if you read the rest of that chapter up to verse 13, there's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament. He's saying that there was nothing happened to people in the past that doesn't happen today. And nothing's going to happen today that didn't happen to people in the past. There's nothing but common. There, you, know what's, you know what's wrong with us today? If I think that my problem is so different, if I think my problem is so bad, Nobody knows. Remember that song? The trouble I'm in. God knows because the Bible says somebody in history has been through it. You're not going through something that somebody else hasn't. If you think you are, then you put yourself out from underneath God's protection and ability to help you because you think it's impossible for it to happen to anybody else. Now you're saying God can't even fix you. That's not biblical, that's not theological. Theology says there's nothing that can happen to you but what well, was common to man in the past. Wow, that's good news. Now I know there is help for me because somebody else has been through it and they made it, so I can make it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We've got to take a look at while we are playing around with our storms, if we're not seeking God and getting out of that storm, somebody else is not getting Jesus because we've closed down. Verse 31, and again in this chapter, we read it, but immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him. Then he said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I don't think Jesus yelled. I don't think he loud. It's like, Peter, oh, man, come on. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Once again, they must have had reasons why they did believe they could trust him. For why would Jesus say it the way he did? Why did you doubt? It's like Jesus said, Peter, you know who I am now. You know the things I've done. Oh, surely you are the Son of God. But you, you must have already known it, but now they're doubly convinced. How many times have we gone through something that we got through, but now we go through something, and we, 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 where's God? Where's God? So now Jesus is teaching Peter with a loving rebuke. Listen carefully. The disciples have already seen some great things. Yet they are getting to know him day by day. It, that does help us to grow in the Lord. That, does what, that is what increases our faith. You know that. Every time we go from, in fact, uh, I think it's Romans 1, chapter 1, talks about going faith to faith. 
Faith to faith didn't mean, you know, you get saved again, get saved again. No, faith to faith means from one faith experience to another faith experience. You know how you go from faith to faith? When you get done with one faith experience, you grew a little bit to trust God for even something greater and another faith experience, which gives you faith to trust God for something even greater for another faith experience, which helps you to trust God even greater to believe God for another great experience. It's beautiful. That's how we grow. That's how we grow. But Jesus said, you know you know me, you know me, you know what I can do. Now, here's a very important lesson to learn from this. Look carefully at what Jesus did. It says immediately, say immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. Now, the Bible doesn't say Jesus swam doesn't say Jesus ran to him. It says he immediately reached out his hand and called him. Peter was sinking. So what do you think I'm saying today? That if he immediately reached out his hand to say, Peter, what am I saying? Go ahead and say it out loud. Don't be afraid to say it out loud. Let me help you. As soon as Peter cried out, although he's sinking in a storm, as soon as Peter cried out, Jesus was right there. Now, you knew you knew it, but you was afraid to say it out loud. I know you knew it. Immediately, immediately, all Jesus had to do was reach out. What does that tell us? Secondly. I know you're not going to answer me, so I'll tell you. It tells us that it doesn't matter how close we are to Christ. There's the boat. Peter's coming. Peter must be right here. Because Jesus immediately reached out his hand. It doesn't matter how close we are to Christ, folks. If we take our eyes off the Lord, we will begin to have problems. What do you think it meant in Hebrews where it says, fix, station your eyes on Christ? When I walk out of here today, when you walk out of here today, we have to intentionally, say intentionally, folks, we have to intentionally, intentionally focus our eyes on Christ. And it brings us back to that bracelet that was worn for years, years ago. What would Jesus do? We still have to think that way. When a, if you're a business person, they come in, they're having a bad hair day. You've got to make a decision. What would Jesus do with this person? It's, it's anything. It's anything that could come up. Anything could become a storm. Anything could become a challenge. And uh, so no matter how close we are to Christ... If we take our eyes off Christ, we're in trouble. And it, it can happen very quickly. It doesn't say that Jesus ran again to Peter. It says that he immediately reached out. And I want to tell you some good news today. Jesus is still reaching out. His hand right now to you folks and to me. He's still reaching out his hand to us. And if we listen close enough, we're going to still hear Jesus say, Come. 
And we're going to do that today at the end of the service. We're going to gather around here for those who want special prayer for any storms they may be dealing with. It could be historical storms from the past. It could be present storms. It could be anticipated storms because of not knowing what's going to happen with something in your life. We need to pray over that. We need to, if, to respond to Christ and come. And come. All right? Now, he still reached out his hand today, literally. And by the way, if you're not very close to Christ, you're still in the boat. Then you do need to step out and come anyways and walk on the water and meet him at the front here today. So, verse 32 and 33, and when they climbed with the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him. There you go, Sunday school teacher. That worship is so important. And worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, when we allow Christ in our boat, as it were, he will calm the storm. There's not one, listen carefully, if you missed this statement, we missed the whole sermon. No one should walk out of the store today with a storm brewing without knowing that Christ is in the middle of that storm with you. You've got to believe that. Does it mean that the storm has completely died down? It may take some time. It may be instant. It may happen this morning. But we do know that he is going to be with us in the storm, folks. It, I guarantee you that. I'll guarantee you my license. I'll throw my license. On, I'll leave my license up here that says I'm an ordained minister. If I'm not telling you the truth. So let's do something. Let's, let's reverse the idea. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. And we're almost done. Matthew chapter 8, where uh, in this case, Jesus calms the storm. Which proves what I just said. That you can still be in a storm and have Jesus in your boat. In other words, in this first story, Jesus is on the water walking to them. So Peter gets out of the boat. In this case, Jesus is on the boat in a storm. So we still can be in a storm and have Jesus on board. But what do we do with Jesus on board? What do we do with it? So here we go. Verse 23 of chapter 8. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I told you Jesus isn't there, Pastor. I told you. Where is he? Oh, he's, he's busy sleeping. Well, that should be one of the most encouraging things you can think about. Imagine Jesus sleeping inside of you. That's how safe we are because he's in us. Think about that. Let's look at the other side. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then they got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Notice what they said. Even, say even, even. the winds and the waves obey him. Now that's before this other story. I understand. This is chapter uh, 8, the other one was 14. But, but notice, even the wind, which means 
if you say even, then they know he's done other things. You get, you get the drift? So again, as Christians, we, we, come on, we already know what Jesus can do. Why do we fall apart every time? Why do we take a dive every time? Why do we, where's God, what's going on? Why do we do that? It's partly because it's human nature. It's partly because we're still growing. It's partly because we, I'm going to be honest with you, we easily forget sometimes. Someone was saying something to me this week about protecting, praying for protection for our family. That's what it was. They wanted prayer for protection. I said, you know, I'm with you on that because I never, my wife never take for granted that that's one repeated. We repeat, we repeat some prayers every day because we will not take for granted the goodness, the grace and the help and the wisdom of God. We will not take it for granted in his protection and provision. We will not take it for granted, church. I'm not one of these people that you thank God one time and then 25 years later, oh, maybe I should thank him again. No, it's every day. It's every day. So here, here we are. When we allow Christ in our boat, as it were, he'll calm the storm, right? So I, I have a, a, a simple question. Do we really think, from this story, from this story, do we really think that with Jesus in our boat, in our life, that the storms of life are going to drown us? Think about that. You know what I'm speaking to? Because here Christ is in the boat. You know what I'm speaking to? I'm speaking to the anxieties, the fears, the, well, those are the two words, the anxiety and fear, that something bad yet again is happening or is going to happen and we start thinking of those things. And do you know Jesus knows everything? See, you know, I know. He went, took a nap on purpose. That's his sense of humor. He, it was a test for the disciples, I'm, I'm assuming. I, I can't tell you from interpreting the scripture that's exactly what's happening. That from an application, that appears to be somewhat what's happening. It's like he knew that storm was coming because he's in charge of the weather. Even the winds and the waves obey him. He's in charge of the weather. He knew that storm was going to come. If I didn't know better, he took a nap just to see how they would react. Sure enough, here they come. They didn't trust him again. It's okay. I, I'm sure he's glad they came and all that, but he taught them another lesson. Why were you afraid? Why were you afraid? When we walk out of here today, I'm going to make a very bold statement according to God's word. We have nothing to be afraid of. There's 365 fear knots in the Bible. And if we work hard, hard enough for the leap year, there'll be one more somewhere. But there's been, it's been said there's 365. So there's a fear knot for every day of the year, folks. Why do we fear? It cripples us. It debilitates us. So it's normal. It's natural. But we can overcome them. That's the good news. So do we really think that with Jesus in a boat that the storms of life are going to drown us? Without thinking for a moment or who he was, they assumed they were going to drown. You, they did say that, right? With Christ inside of us, we are not going to be overpowered by life storms unless we take our eyes off Christ and in our own human efforts 
We tried to fix them. Did, did, what did, what, really? Really, Peter? You're walking on the water to Christ. It's going beautifully. Why did you let that other thing creep in and distract you? Folks, if we take our eyes off the Lord, things are going to creep in and distract us. If we keep our eyes on the Lord, we're going to get through the storm. It may be there. It was there for Peter and them. And in fact, it didn't until when he stepped in the boat, it's when they died down. So the storm was there until he stepped in the boat. Storms can come up with Jesus in our lives. We just learned that in this one. But at the same time, we know that while it can come up, they can come up. We know that Jesus is inside of us to calm us. So Galatians 3, 3 says this. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Uh, we're having our marriage retreat this year. Again, we've done over 30 of them at our church. 30, 30 33 of them over the years. And uh, I can't go because the Dallas is on Saturday morning. So I'm doing a class on Friday night. Uh, it's going to be videotaped. I'm videotaping this week a uh, lesson. And if, if there's anything that I have found that hurts a married couple, and I've got a worksheet from the due. I got all kinds of stuff that we're going to talk about out of the book of Solomon. But there's one thing I realized about, the, about marriage. One of the biggest hindrances to marriage today is taking each other for granted. It started off good. And I have a philosophy in counseling that says this. Whatever brought you together is what continues to keep you together years later. And hopefully, include that as they came together through Christ. But when you think about those early dating days and how wonderful they were, you remember that time you got saved, how fresh and clean and awesome it was? And you were walking on cloud nine around the community, just excited as all could be. And then years later, you, you sort of see that, that excitement and joy kind of disappear a little bit. Folks, I think sometimes we've taken God for granted and we assume a lot. I don't know, it's a thought. It took Christ's power to save us, so it takes Christ's power to keep us. Let's stop trying in our own power to fix ourselves. He is the captain of our ship, as it were. It's impossible, say impossible. It's impossible for our ship to sink because he's on board. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, he's on board. And he's asking us to come. And so I asked Paul if he would, if he would play some music and we're gonna give you a moment to respond if you want something for the Lord to do for you, you know the last thing you need to be worried about? You need to be worried about who you are and what people are going to think of you if you come down. What we need to worry about is what is God going to think about us? If he's the captain of our ship and we're not 
on board doing our job. So I invite you, as this music's being played, invite you to come if you need to sit because it makes it more comfortable for you. Do that, stand. And we're just going to trust God for some victories. Trust God for some healing, physical, emotionally, financially, relationally. You know, maybe, maybe your storm is a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a coworker. I hate to say this, but maybe it's your spouse, your children. Isn't God big enough to fix this today? So let's, let's take a moment and gather around if you desire so we can have a special prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Praise your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. You know, church, to be in a storm is not because of sin. It's because storms come. Sin can cause a storm. So... If we know we're doing something that's not proper, then we need to ask God to forgive us to calm the waves. But it's not uncommon for people of God to face trials and tests. The Bible says those old trial, tests, or temptation taken you, but since it's common to man, they're going to come. We shouldn't be in denial, we should accept the fact. And a storm could be so many different things. So no one stands here in judgment. We stand before you, Lord, because we're in need. And Father, today as we stand before you and others that are sitting back in the pew, reaching out to you, together, Lord, we're responding to your invitation to come. So we have come. We're standing before you. And Lord, you see our hearts, you see our minds, you see what we're going through, you see the challenges, the issues. And we're going to walk out of here today believing one thing for sure, you are in us. You dwell in us and you're in us. And you're here to help us to get through these storms. And we're going to exercise our faith that you heard us and understand us and who we are and what we're going through. And that we can trust you. We can believe in you. We can stand on your word today. The promises that are yea and amen to those who believe. And so, Lord, in case we're guilty of trying to fix things in our human effort, we realize that having begun the spirit, then we need to stay in the spirit. Because you're the author and finisher of our faith. So as you are the author and finisher of our faith, if we stay in our faith walk with you, God, we're going to get through this storm. And we're going to have calm even during the storm. We're going to have peace even during the storm. 
That's what's so beautiful. Even during the storm, I can have a peace. I can have a peace. So, Lord, we just are going to look to you, the author of Finish for Our Faith, and say, Lord, calm the storm. Get us through it. We're trusting you. Our eyes are fixed on you. And, Lord, we're not going to let down our duties. We're not going to set aside our responsibilities for the kingdom work while we're going through this because we don't want to be guilty of someone else not having what they need in you because we're too busy walling around in our storm. No. No, we're not going to hide. We're going to step out of the boat. We're going to step out of the boat because we found out you're the captain of the boat that's in us, but you're also the captain of our lives. When we step out of the boat, we find out you're also there. <laughs> so you're in the boat, you're in our life, and you're outside of our life out there waiting for us to come to you and to do your work. Lord, help us to get this analogy. Help us to get this application and bless this church beyond measure. Let this be a whole new fresh beginning as they wait for a new pastor to come. That they are willing to step out of the boat and go forward in you and know that you are there. And we'll be careful to give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. For we ask this in your precious name and all God's people prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We love you and have a